0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast.
1: Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys.
2: Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It is myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you into the show, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Doug Moore. It's always great to have Doug aboard the show. Doug, uh, I've had a very exciting weekend, and I know that uh, we were talking about it just before we came on air, but uh, I'm now officially a married man.
0: Yeah, I mean, you gotta tell everybody at home, you know, how was it?
2: Yeah, it was pretty uh, spectacular. Everything went uh, absolutely according to plan. The one thing that really uh, made it very interesting was obviously week one has just gone in the books but uh, thanks to Game Pass uh, I was able to Kind of delay my watching of all the games and get through them. Uh, kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, I didn't get to watch too much uh, football on Sunday, but that's just the way things go sometimes. Uh, one week out of the kind of sixteen to seventeen weeks of the season, uh, missing it out isn't too bad. So looking forward to m- probably a more regular weekend this weekend and uh, get to get to tuck into all the games that are coming up. Uh, so not have to say everything went absolutely as smoothly as possible. Uh, fantastic weekend and still, uh, you know, the shows the shows coming out this week. On a Thursday, kind of had to recharge those batteries for a couple of days.
0: Of course, of course. A, a man that uh, just got married obviously needs some time to recuperate. <laughs>
2: But uh, Doug, we're not here to, to talk about marriages and talk about weddings. We're here to talk about uh, football, and particularly fantasy football. And on today's show, we're going to be joined by Joe Halka. A lot of you'll be following him on Twitter. He's doing some great work regarding running backs. And I'm really looking forward to talking through some of the running back uh, performances from last week and what we can expect for uh, the rest of the season. So that should be fun coming up in just a little moment. Obviously, listening to the show... If it is your first time coming along to the OTI podcast, do give us a written and a comment there on iTunes. Be sure and hit that subscribe button as well. We're available in all formats and you can stream us as well on the website OvertimeIreland.com. Uh, each and every week for the season, we'll add it. This is the plan, is to give away an OTI t-shirt to one of our followers on Twitter. So make sure you're following us at Overtime Ireland on Twitter. And of course, when you're following me on Twitter, make sure you're following Doug as well at the more nfl. Fantastic stuff with Doug and his... Uh, I know I joke about it here, but... It must be Doug, must be getting close to 25 websites at the moment that you're writing for, but great stuff all the time popping up on Doug's Twitter feed, so make sure you're checking that out. But with those plugs out of the way, I have one more plug to get into that I'm going to play here for you now, and then we'll get into uh, kind of week one slash week two with uh, Joe Hulka are looking to place some wagers this NFL season. OTI has linked up with BetDSI, the online sportsbook, and I'm delighted that OTI and BetDSI have partnered up ahead of the 2016 season. Uh, towards the end of last season, the 2015 year, I uh, started to use BetDSI as my main sports book. Over many NFL seasons, I've used a lot of different sports books uh, throughout Ireland, the UK, and the USA. And I have to say that when I started using BetDSI through the high-rated reviews that they were getting online, I thought that it was something worth trying out. And since I've started using them, I have to say I think the customer service is second to none. Very, very high quality. Very quick, rapid response to uh, any queries you have. They have quick payouts. The lines are up at the start of each and every. Week very, very swiftly, and uh, you can get your bets on straight away if you're trying to get advantage of those early lines. And with them linking up with us here at OTI, if you sign up to a new account on betdsi.com, if you put in the code OTI10, they will add ten free dollars to your account, and you can place a wager. No risk wager of ten dollars on any of the games coming up. Uh, obviously I like to bet on everything during the regular season but during the preseason maybe you want to see, give it a go for yourself, see how much fun the games can be when you have a couple of dollars on. They're giving OTI listeners a chance to make some money, see what they think of the product and that is the code OTI10 when you sign up to BetDSI. Go do it. No risk, no hassle, you can get a maybe win some money along the way. That is BetDSI.com and OTI ten is the promo code. I know some people don't condone gambling. It's something that I do enjoy, but I always think that you need to make sure that you have it under control. So for anyone that ever has any issues with gambling, there is gamblersanonymous.com. So delighted to be joined on the podcast now by Joe Hulka. I know I gave him a little bit of a you know a nice intro there a second ago, but he didn't get to hear it because he's just jumping aboard the show now. But Joe's been doing some exceptional work. Uh, I've been keeping a close eye on him over the last kind of three or four months as he does his Russian expectations. And uh, Joe, obviously, you're kind of following. I've read your stuff from the start, and you're you're kind of following Matt Harmon and his uh, reception perception work. But how exactly did you decide to to go and has running back always been something that you've uh, studied closely?
1: Yeah, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. I'm glad it worked out. Um, Rushing expectation, like you said, it most closely resembles Matt Harmon's reception perception work that he does with wide receivers, but what I do is for running backs. So... It basically highlights quite a few things, but the methodology is a mix of film study and metrics, but it mostly all revolves around a metric I created called expected success rate, which highlights for the fact that not every success rate is created equal because every running back is running behind a different offensive line. And, and that offensive line has a direct correlation with their running back success. So this is my attempt to separate those two very important factors and hopefully identify few potential breakout players along the way so i dig deep into what running lanes and areas of the field uh, these backs are touching the ball and how successful they are from an efficiency standpoint yeah and definitely for those out there if you are familiar with matt harman's work in the
2: reception perception, you know people have looked over the last year and a half at the players that he's picked out and you know people are really starting to Take thoughts into what he's saying in the preseason. We've seen people going up draft boards very quickly for fantasy football at the wide receiver position based on what Matt was saying. And I think, you know, I think if we project this 12 months, 18 months forward, I think we'll see the same regarding running backs. And I know we're going to hit on a few of them as we go through this that, you know, you've been big on this. uh, preseason or maybe not so big on and they've uh, already started to kind of develop that way I'm going to start off though with somebody I've been big on this offseason and it's really come back already to bite me in the butt and that there's Keenan Allen um you know the Chargers losing in week one after having a huge lead I think they were 21 to 3 up at one point losing 33 to 27 but uh you know I was kind of all in on Keenan Allen they probably have much everywhere MFL 10s redraft uh dynasty leagues and it's uh, it's been a bitter pill to swallow, but people were telling me the the injuries were coming with him. But unfortunately, when you are in on somebody, you wanna you wanna stay away from that. But you know the Chargers, it's a real blow to them. We were last week, me and Doug were starting to you know look at Benjamin as a you know a deep a late player and uh, drafts to be picking up and to get that deep threat and um, home run hits. But this offense really now takes a, a huge change with the Chargers obviously the running back situation is going to be interesting now because Woodhead's going to get a lot more of a role and then uh, Melvin Garden had a big big week one with those two touchdowns Uh, the Chargers how do you see them uh, heading into this week I think kind of all hopes lost for them already on the season but last season I remember uh, we read off the Chiefs after Jamal Charles went down and they uh, ended up going to the playoffs any hope for this Chargers team even it's only week two going forward
1: yeah I think the Keenan Allen thing definitely hurts he's a big part of that offense clearly i had a lot of exposure myself so it's tough to see him go down with an injury like that i don't necessarily think he's injury prone his injury last year was a pretty freak pretty freak thing and then a non-contact acl this year but uh travis benjamin he's interesting going forward but rivers doesn't go deep very often yeah. he obviously they had the most passing plays in the league last year but he had the 16th most deep balls and The Chargers really just haven't been able to get Benjamin involved at least in week one his his eight targets but seven of which actually came after Allen went down it looks good on paper but his a dot just wasn't very wasn't very large this past week and hopefully they'll be able to get him deep a little bit more I think the guy that's a little bit more interesting is Tyrell Williams and the arrow's kind of been pointing up on this guy since the preseason he's been on kind of the the DFS GPP radar but (laughs) Both of his catches in uh, week one were over 30 yards, and although one of them came kind of on a busted coverage, I, I think he's got more speed and playmaking ability than John Terrell Inman does, and he's currently like a very highly rated player. I know Rivers has already been talking him up this week, and he, he's the guy that I'm going to be kind of watching, at least at the wider receiver position. At running back, uh, yeah, it was nice to see Gordon get a couple touchdowns. I, I'm just not convinced that the Chargers want to build their team necessarily around Gordon I know they they uh they run a little bit more in the shotgun which he's not as comfortable with they they did draft that fullback that he had in college and he obviously ran one of those touchdowns behind him but I think that Danny Woodhead is the guy in the backfield that is gonna probably get the most looks especially with with Keenan Allen gone now I think that he's gonna kind of take over his his usual role in in the intermediate to short passing game and Woodhead's obviously been really good in the red zone historically as well.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned there, Rivers, you know, with and without Keenan Allen. He was the quarterback two up until Keenan Allen's injury last season, but he was the quarterback 23 after that point. So you know, River's value is going to take a a hit here as well with that injury. This week they uh, are at home. They face the Jacksonville Jaguars who really put it up to the Packers last week but uh, just lost at the the very end and, you know, I think this is going to be I think this could be kind of a fantasy bonanza this week. We've seen Alan Robinson be held relatively quiet this past week. Obviously Chris Ivory didn't play with this mysterious illness. He is expected to uh, have some part to play this coming week but Yeldon as well had had a big chance, you know, as the lead back and didn't really take it for the Jaguars Uh, Chargers and the Jaguars any other players uh, for Jacksonville there that I didn't mention that you're interested in this week coming and then of course uh, any players I guess that you've already mentioned them for the Chargers
1: (laughs) yeah I think Alan Robinson is definitely a player I'm interested in pretty much every week I mean as the undisputed number one wide receiver in Jacksonville I think Julius Thomas is is pushing Alan Hearns more than anything as uh the second target in this offense but Thomas missed four games in 2015 but his presence didn't really affect Robinson's targets at all in week 1 in fact it actually made him a little bit more efficient so with Thomas on the field Robinson caught 58% of his targets and that's far superior to his 38% catch rate without Thomas on the field last year so I think he's a great play this week especially in daily and he's he's one of the guys that I'm definitely looking at very hard
0: so uh- moving on to another game and, and one of these teams was an arguably one of the most humiliating uh i would say games that we've seen in recent history that was the uh the 49ers and they went up against the panthers this week um not much not much you can really say about the 49ers I guess they did pretty well but considering that it, it I, I don't know it just it's a situation where um what I'm curious about to hear from you is we saw the 49ers really uh, stall Todd Gurley in week one now that's not really saying much considering the offensive line the offense in general besides Gurley that the, the Rams employ but I'm curious to see Jonathan Stewart's dealing with an ankle injury and he's going up against the 49ers who did you know whether you want to marry or not the stats show that he held they held up uh Todd Gurley so I'm curious to see what you think about um about him this week do you think Carlos Hyde has the same success? That he did against the the Panthers as well. After seeing what uh, CJ Anderson did in Week One, I guess the the running backs are the big thing for me here. But obviously, anything else you're you're uh, interested in talking about too?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think the the clear play, at least from DFS perspective, is Cam Newton in this spot. I think he's in a phenomenal spot, especially the pace of this game is going to be run at. But as far as uh, Jonathan Stewart, the He's going to get volume, but you do worry about his touches as far as red zone potential, touchdown potential. He, he's a guy that I, I would look at, but I'm not necessarily on him. I, I do like Carlos Hyde, and obviously he had uh, 88 yards and two touchdowns and on the Monday night game. And Hyde was a guy I was like really high on this year, especially he was one of the guys that uh, rated very highly in my rushing expectation methodology. and he was extremely efficient last year he actually was performed above expectation by 11.2 percent which is fourth overall in my my player sample and this kind of type of up-tempo offense and obviously kelly isn't gonna sub out hide every passing situation so i think he's already been saying that he's gonna try and get hide a little bit more active in the passing role let's we'll see if if that comes to fruition on, on a consistent basis. But I'm still on hide a bit in this game, especially after what we saw C.J. Anderson do to Carolina last week yeah and
2: you know we mentioned there Todd Gurley it's not getting a lot more pretty for him here as we head into week two as you know they, they face uh, the Seattle Seahawks a little be at in LA so uh, you could see him having a tough week this week again and possibly getting bottled up and it's just not an easy first four weeks for him uh, any worries around Gurley and uh, how did he rate in your uh, Russian
1: expectations yeah Gurley is a guy that I haven't had a chance to chart yet I, I've only charted 20 players so okay. far and that was all I could really muster for this <laughs> off season, but Gurley's definitely a guy that I'm going to look at next year um, but the problem with him is not going to be the talent obviously he's an elite talent it's going to be just the offense and the players around him I yeah. think if he gets the volume great but he is going to be so his his floor is probably safe but his ceiling is just going to remain pretty low in a lot of these games where he's going to have poor game script and he's going to be playing from behind and and if he runs into some tough defenses like he has and which he has in these first few weeks, he, he's not really a player I'm on. Yeah, and with that game, obviously, Seahawks on the road. Uh, over the last couple of
2: years, all their successes really. I know they have been successful on the road, but it's been tough for them fantasy wise uh, in particular traveling away from home. So they head to LA a game. they'll be expected to win but Russell Wilson hobbled with that ankle injury. You know the situation still with Rawls has just been named the starter but Christine Michael still there to siphon away some carries. So this is a game in particular that I'm sitting clear off. I don't think I'll be starting anybody uh, out, and I don't have a lot of guys on either of these rosters on a lot of my teams. So any guys uh, I'll let Doug go for this one. Any guys Doug in that Seattle LA game that you're tempted to start this week or is it just one of those stay clear of?
0: No, I'm I'm actually I'm, – I'm, I wrote about this um, for, for Gridiron Experts, a little plug-in here for this week, uh, a, a sleeper matchup. We've seen all the talk about Rawls being more ready to come and, and get more work this week um, with you know him coming back from the ankle injury. Um, but I'm actually still a big fan of Christine Michael this week. Um, I still think it's going to be a committee, and I think that Michael showed more in the run game than Rawls did. And, you know, he wasn't on the injury report this week, so I think – He's as close to 100% as he's going to be. Uh, but I just love this matchup. What we saw uh, Carlos Hyde do to the, to this Rams defense uh, on Monday night. So I, I'm a big fan, I think, of Christine Michael more than I am of Rawls this week. Just because I think while it's going to be a, a committee sort of approach for a little while, I think that Michael has shown that he he's probably going to come out with more carries than, than Rawls again in, in, in week two. So that's probably the one guy. I mean, obviously, you look at this team, uh, the Rams, you know, they're not very... They're not very intimidating besides their front seven, I would say. Um, so in the secondary, you know, you have Doug Baldwin, you have Tyler Lockett. I'm big on Doug Baldwin again this week as well. Not so much on Tyler Ball, uh, Tyler uh, Lockett, but uh, Doug Baldwin, I think he's functioning as that number one guy, even out of the slot. And he's going to be almost a lock, I would say, for 10-plus targets. Uh, probably come with like seven or so of them for like 70, 80 yards, I think. So that, those are probably the two big guys for me, Christine Michael and Doug Baldwin. Uh, and then on the Rams side, yeah,
2: there's not really anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So uh, jumping into one that I'm very interested in, I know you've been talking up uh, all off season, and that's Spencer Ware. Obviously, it looks like uh, Jamal Chards may set all together again in week two, or else he will be very, very much limited. I'm expecting at this point for the, the Chiefs to set him on the sideline. You'll have uh, Spencer Ware in there again with Kirkandrick West for some carries. But Ware last week, uh, particularly through the air, had a, a monster, monster week. Uh, finished with 199 yards in total seven for 129 uh through the air so monster monster week for him and i know he's somebody that you've liked but this week he's going up against the houston texans and it's in houston he's going against that tough defense for you is he uh, an automatic start this week heading in and then obviously we have lamar miller on the other side who has been kind of a a, you know a hype darling over over the past uh, couple of weeks and a couple of months and he uh, delivered last week
1: uh, if you started him in your lineups yeah, I'm definitely not scared off of Spencer Ware this week. He's a, a road underdog in this match, but he was obviously the chalk last week, 199 total yards, nearly two touchdowns, actually, on just 18 <laughs> touches. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've been talking about him as a potential breakout since back in August, and I think he could really even have standalone value even when Jamal Charles returns. I've been saying that since the beginning, and he's just such an elite talent. And, that, and I talked about in the preseason how – they were saying his pass protection really needed to improve to be more of a third down guy. Obviously, he didn't get like any work in the passing game last year, but the fact that they were talking about his pass protection at all kind of was a clue to me that they did have plans for him in the passing game. So I think that he's a he's game script dependent as he or sorry his game script independent as yeah. what he has shown last week. And he's a guy that just performed so well in my methodology. He was a guy that I direct message Matt Harmon on Twitter at like three in the morning after I finished charting this him and I was just like, Man, this is this is my guy. So he's been my guy since then and the overall He's you certainly your expector- guy going into week two anyway. <laughs> yeah. He uh the overall expect rate for the Chiefs last year was forty six point five percent, which was like the fifth highest expectation in the league and Ware performed above expectation in his rushing expectation sample by twelve percent and I put him at number two overall in my initial 20 players and where his athletic ability is very good he's a hard running running style and he kind of his short area quickness is what I find to be extremely rare he's got quick feet low pad level his second effort an extremely rare balance those are all huge components of an excellent short yardage runner which we've seen he was one of the best runners I've seen at working through contact his pad level maybe one of his strongest attributes and He's got a leap balance through arm tackles and wraps, which we've seen. And he's consistently looking to just punish anyone that comes near him. And he's a great player to watch. And he's a he's guy that's going to put everything he has into every single play. And his ridiculous efficiency numbers came against eight or more in the box Um, actually on 36% of his runs last year. So that was above average. And against base sets, where was at 65% success rate, which absolutely demolishes every other player I charted this summer. So that was nearly 20% over the Chiefs' expectation. And where's floor in 2016 is basically a significant short yardage runner and goal line work player once Charles comes back. But if you're looking at for a performance that – could have you buy into the narrative that this could be a split backfield even when Jamal Charles comes back I think week 1 told you all you needed to
2: see yeah phenomenal stuff from him and I mentioned Lamar Miller uh, you know on the side obviously for the Texans we're going to run through them quick and Will Fuller last week, was it he was the 21st overall pick in this year's draft. But, you know, he's exceptionally quick. But he had a nice week uh, going over 100 yards and a touchdown on five touches. So and particularly in the the touchdown he got, it wasn't a particularly good throw by Brock Osweiler. But he made the most of it in a kind of a screen pass low to his feet that he caught. But I think uh, overall, you know, you obviously know what you're getting from DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to be an interesting game because I don't think the Chiefs defense was ex- as good last week as you would expect. And, you know, when you have... Uh, JJ Watt coming back off his injury. He didn't look 100 percent last week, so it's going to be a very interesting game defensively. But I think it is one where you pretty much uh, start all your your studs, um, the guys that are involved in it. I would be tempering my expectations on Will Fuller this week. He, you know, he's a rookie. It's not going to happen again week in week out. And I'd be very very surprised if he ends up with another touchdown in week two. So he'd be he'd be somebody in this matchup that I'd be kind of fading away from. Uh, Moving on to the next game that I have here, and it's uh, going on to the Atlanta Falcons. Tevin Coleman had a a big, big game last week, and he's somebody that I've been kind of trying to buy up in the offseason. I didn't really buy into the Devontae Freeman hype and the way he faded away towards the end of last season. But Coleman, uh, if he can sort out his fumbling issues, is somebody I think could have a really nice season. How did he uh, handle your rushing expectations? Is
1: he somebody that was uh, above average for you or somebody that you didn't get to chart, it (laughs) even? Yeah, no, Coleman was one of the guys I charted, actually, and... It's interesting like if he continues to get more carries this year I I think Freeman's still going to remain the primary beneficiary in the passing game but Shanahan tends to favor the run in the red zone uh, quite a bit so his teams have actually ranked first and seventh in red zone rushing percentage in 2014 and 2015 so last year Freeman was definitely the superior goal line back at 45.5 percent of his runs uh, inside the five for touchdowns but I think if Coleman can dip into that he, he's got interesting value at the Freeman obviously has been the most efficient back between the tackles or in the passing game for that matter but the Falcons have a really tough schedule to start the season and Freeman's inefficiency and if this if that, if that continues I, I could definitely buy into the narrative that Coleman could get even more touches and Freeman could kind of fade back into the pass catching Duke Johnson type of role and I think it's noteworthy that coleman is a higher draft pick and that freeman was not part of the current falcons coaching regime i I think that a lot of times people don't weigh that as heavily as they should and kind of what's going on in these coaches minds
0: so going into it i think we talked about a dream matchup for um for another for the other game before the uh uh, the seattle game Uh, this game last year i think produced 13 passing touchdowns between uh (laughs) eli manning and drew Brees. Um, and, and we have it again this week with the uh, the, the Giants and the Saints. Uh, I want to get your take on a few things. Obviously, Brandon Cooks had a terrific game. Uh, I think doing part a lot of it uh, with that 98 yard touchdown reception that he had uh, mostly open field once he got past the defender. So um, there's a lot of different things going into this matchup. The Saints are usually uh, the best team for fantasy in general, whether no matter the position, really. Even kickers do well against them. So. <laughs> Um, obviously, we got the, you know, Eli Manning, Sterling Shepard. Uh, I shouldn't say Odell Beckham before him. Rashad Jennings is a guy I'm big on this week as well. I think he's a clear workhorse. Not maybe really workhorse, but the clear running uh, number one running back for, for the Giants. H- how do you see this matchup going about? Is this going to be another fancy goal line like we saw last year?
1: I think so, and I like your Rashad Jennings call. I think the chalk, at least in DFS, is definitely going to be Odell Beckham and Eli Manning, but kind of a way to pivot around that is to go with uh, Rashad Jennings. I think he'd have a really nice game. Another guy I'm looking at on the, Saint, the Saints is uh, Willie Snead. Yeah. He's got the best matchup, at least if you kind of look at it from PFF's cornerback perspective. He's he's facing Eli Apple, who's a 62 62nd-ranked quarterback uh, after week one. So Snead caught all of his targets last week, and he's the potential to be even uh, in even a better matchup. Even as a road underdog. So working out of the slot, Sneed's going to be a consistent guy. And I think he's got a ton of upside. And he's the one I'm targeting in this game. And maybe even a a Colby Fleener. I know a lot of people are down on him after his performance last week. But the Giants just have bled targets and bled fantasy points to tight ends. And and the other two tight ends uh, in this offense are a little bit banged up. So I think Colby Fleener's an interesting play as well. Yeah, and a few Topics I wanted to
2: mention obviously regarding the Saints. That was Kobe Flinner last week. He only had four targets, and you know, they were basically uh, towards the very, very end of the game. The Saints last week had 507 yards. You know, they're always going to put up those yards, but Flinner only had six of them. So, you know, people we were hyping him up going into the season. So, we'll see. And, you know, this is the kind of week sometimes where you're talking about DFS, that sometimes everyone just says, no, I'm not having an air And the Giants have been, on a regular basis, giving up touchdowns to tight ends, so he could be somebody this week uh, to have a shot there. Uh, Brandon Cooks, that 98-yard touchdown he had last week was the, the longest play in Saints history. And, you know, talking about cornerbacks... Uh, absolutely terrible coverage on that one and just to finish it off on that game last week i wanted to mention it and we didn't mention oakland when we talked about atlanta we kind of you know strange situation again i'm not big on latavius murray and Last week, Cooper had a, a nice game, so we'll see what happens. But I have to say, the the game ball last week for the uh, Oakland Raiders has to go to Jack Del Rio for that two-point co- conversion call. Uh, I have to say, the dude has a set of uh, cojones on him. When uh, you were watching that game, if you were watching it live or if you were watching it on tape delay and didn't know how, how it all was going to go down, what was your thoughts when uh, he called the two-point conversion, Joe?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect it coming yeah. from him, to be honest. But, yeah, you love to see something like that. You love to see a coach that's willing to put it on the line and who really trusts his players and really has faith in his players. I I think it's something that builds confidence in a team. And when you see something like that as a player, I think it does a whole lot for for everyone going forward that this is going to be a different Raiders team this year, a team that's going to go for it and a team that's not afraid to kind of uh, even beat a team like the Saints in a shootout.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, lastly on that I just wanna mention uh Jill and Richard, uh, undrafted free agent playing from his first carry, went for a seventy five yard touchdown. And you know, a lot of people jump into the hype a little bit too much, but you know, off the tiny limited sample size, had you is he somebody you even had an eye on before last week?
1: Yeah, Washington I thought would be a little yeah. bit better. He was slightly he was kinda of ineffective. Uh I'm I've I've been kind of a guy that's not very high on Latavius Murray, obviously my uh, my metric is pretty efficiency based and Latavius Murray had some <laughs> historic inefficiency in yeah. 2015 but I think the Raiders overall are going to be a much better team this year and not just because of their offensive line improvements but they they have a couple impressive additions to the defense and I don't know if you really showed it in the first game but I, th- I think they will be improved on that area and DeAndre Washington could still be a factor I, I think he's uh, effective where Latavius Murray is probably least useful in the passing game. And I think uh, a lack, a loss of receiving production and maybe just volume in general is has Latavius Murray, I think that was really his only main appeal is that he was going to get a lot of touches and and a, in a backfield that seems a little bit more muddled than we even thought, I think that he's uh, kind of a guy that's definitely on the downward trend. Yeah, and another game last
2: week at the running back, I've been big on... Uh... Charles Sims. this offseason. He had a, a very nice touchdown against the Falcons last week on a reception. Kind of spun away from a couple of tackles. Uh, Doug Martin was kept relatively quiet last week. So Tampa Bay heading this week to Arizona where You know, they've given up a a huge loss to the Patriots uh, on Sunday Night Football. One that I definitely didn't see coming. I was expecting the Cardinals to take care of business there. So they're going to be out for revenge this week. You could see some, uh, you know, significant improvements from them defensively. They go to Tampa Bay. But I have to say Jameis Winston in Week 1 looked uh, very, very good. He had four passing touchdowns. Uh, Mike Evans look good so all around the Buccaneers look uh, like they're going to be a team that's going to be they'll probably be up and down at times but I think uh, from a fantasy perspective they're going to be very very relevant all year long I could see them being in a similar vein to what the Jacksonville Jaguars were this time last year um, any players in this game in particular <laughs> and uh, then from Arizona I had John Brown and a couple of leagues started last week so that one catch didn't do all that much uh, for my fantasy chances but uh, from those two teams, uh, Joe, anybody in particular uh, that you're really looking to start this week? Obviously, Devontae Freeman starts uh, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Yeah, you mentioned so, Charles sorry. Sims.
2: <laughs> Not Devontae Freeman, uh, David
1: Johnson. David Johnson, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Uh, Charles Sims, though, is a guy that I'm looking at pretty much every week. He's a guy that finished very highly in my rushing expectation methodology, so Overall, last year, the Buccaneers' expected success rate was 45% per rushing attempt, and Sims actually performed above expectation in the run game and the passing game. He was the second highest of my initial 20-player sample overall, and he was top five in regards to passing. So I think that his pass-catching upside, and he also has the size kind of 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 a feature back, but more impressively, he's just has elite mental processing skills like you see that on his touchdown last week is his football intelligence is where he is truly unique he's yeah. not necessarily a flashy player by any means but he sees a good he sees the field extremely well and he recognizes penetration as fast as any running back in the league so he, he can sense danger he knows when he needs to come help uh Jameis. and i think he's got standalone value in this game in particular even with Doug Marget, Martin in the picture and if Martin goes down then for season long leagues like sims definitely has like a devonta freeman type upside
0: yeah definitely i, I think uh you know you, you definitely hit the nail on the head with that, that comparison uh two games i'm gonna go through real quick with you uh one of them being uh the miami and new england game uh we saw you know new england played an impressive win last week you know I'll take it for what it is i'm a patriots writer but um <laughs> you know we we, we saw uh, a couple things i want to keep in mind here garoppolo threw for over 260 yards a touchdown No interceptions. He's facing a much, you know, much softer defense this week. Do you think he's a guy that you would recommend playing maybe, uh, not necessarily even two QB leagues, maybe even like 14 team leagues? Uh, Like Garrett Blount had uh, 70 yards or 60 yards rushing, something around that. And uh, obviously he's going against a much easier defense as well. Um, It is surprising, though, because the Dolphins defense did do really well last week, I think, against Seattle. But I want to get your take on that. And uh, the other one for me is uh, the Colts and Broncos. I think it's going to be a game where, obviously, we saw T.Y. Hilton. He missed practice today. Dante Moncrief is a guy I'm high on this week, uh, even though he's facing a dangerous defense, or secondary uh, um, with the Broncos. And also C.J. Anderson going up against this very, very soft Colts uh, defense. I think he's a top-five running back this week. But I want to get your takes on, obviously, both of those games and the players that you have an eye on.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Garoppolo is interesting. He he didn't look necessarily skittish in his first k- career uh, regular season start, but he he took some hits and I think he stood in there well. He he didn't really try, try and do too much. He wasn't really throwing downfield a whole lot. Um, I think this offense is going to run through the Garrett Blunt until Brady returns, and I really like Blunt in this spot as a as a home favorite in that game. I I think that. Uh, James White, he didn't get like barely any carries last week and I think he'll remain active in the passing game, but Blunt is going to get the majority of the carries regardless of his uh, yards per carry. They're, they're going to continue to go at him to kind of soften that defense up and even after a lost fumble the, the Patriots went back to him on five straight plays directly after that, so I don't think his role is, is in danger so he's the guy that I'm mainly looking at in that game. And then as far as the the Broncos game. You mentioned C.J. Anderson. He was absolutely unstoppable on Thursday night. I, I think he he's an elite play. I I still don't think his price is right on DraftKings and FanDuel. And he's played 83 percent of the offensive snaps, and he actually had eighty five point seven percent of the team's red zone carries. And he had the teams the, the entire team market share inside the ten. And on a team that was largely a split backfield last year, I, I think Anderson clearly the guy. And He's priced as a top seven back on DraftKings and FanDuel, but his usage may still make him a, a DFS-valuable player in Week 2, especially since the Colts have kind of a banked up defense right now.
2: Yeah, I agree with what both of you said there regarding all those players. Probably if you're looking from the Miami side... Uh, Landry's going to be a start, and then I think Foster make get some uh, PPR work down the stretch here, uh, if the Patriots can start a bit up a score at home. Um, another interesting thing, you mentioned there about CJ Anderson, obviously last week going up against the, the Panthers is a bit more of a daunting task than going up against the Indianapolis Colts, so I think uh, he's definitely a, a player this week who has uh, you know top three upside there, so I, I definitely agree with you there too, Joe, and the other one to keep an eye on is uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Thomas uh, seems to be struggling quite uh, significantly with an injury this week uh, you know he's I, I can't see him being anywhere more than 75% come game day so i think sanders could get a, a very heavy workload this week so if you're interested uh, you know in a broncos wide receiver i think you could uh, definitely look towards sanders i think he'll be in that uh, 10 to, to 12 target range at, at a minimum this week, so do check that one out. Um, moving on now to the Dallas Cowboys uh, against the Washington Redskins, another in division match for the Cowboys. Obviously, they came up short last week against the Giants. Uh, you know, I think per, uh, Dak looked quite good in his, his first start, but the problem he had was he couldn't get them into the end zone, and that is something that a young quarterback really needs to learn. Going up against the Redskins, and I have to say, Kurt Cousins I thought was pretty much abysmal for the Redskins last week and didn't really offer them anything. So it's a, a tale here of uh, can Kurt Cousins bounce back to something similar to what we seen him do last year, and uh, can Prescott step up on the road and lead the Cowboys to victory? Obviously, Des Bryant, a huge disappointment last week for fantasy owners, but you know it, it'll take a little bit of time to get that chemistry down.
1: Yeah, I think Prescott can, I think he can do more. I like what he does in the, it gives them kind of that running option as well, which helps Ezekiel Elliott. I, the Redskins have allowed the ninth most fancy points to quarterbacks as far as last week. And I think he's a guy that will be a lot more underowned. He was obviously the chalk last week in, in DFS, but Ezekiel Elliott, uh, he's, he was on the field for 45 of the Cowboys 78 offensive snaps but no other Dallas running box saw more than 17 so he's he's the clear guy he received 66.67 percent of the rushing attempts but I, I think that Ezekiel Elliott's in a good spot here he's going to continue to catch passes and he's kind of the upside guy I'm looking for in this game and then another guy that at least on the other side of the ball is uh Deshaun Jackson I think that He has a great matchup this week. He's actually uh, going up against Morris Claiborne, which uh, who finished last season as a a PFF grade of forty one point one, which is not good. So he's he's (laughs) he's got a he's got a really nice matchup this week. So I think Deshaun Jackson's a guy that we could go after. Yeah, he did. So
0: so so two more games. Obviously, we want to try and get through as many as we can with you while we have you. But uh, the first one I'll hit on is the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, Obviously, Joe Flacco came back into this game. Uh, Came back, I'm sorry, came back uh, Week one after suffering an ACL tear uh, Last season Um, You know, not a lot happened You know, we saw only two running backs Active for the Ravens last week That was Terrence West and uh, Justin Forsett And I think Forsett uh, And and West carried around the same Same amount of touches uh, But I think Forsett was more efficient Do you see this going forward or do you think You know, Forsett separated himself Or do you think they're going to have another running back active Maybe uh, Buck Allen and then going, you know, obviously for the um, for the Browns, I'm a huge fan of Josh McCown this week and Gary Barnage. I think uh, when we saw last year what uh, Josh McCown did, he threw in granted it's last year, but he threw for 450 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and I think he's going to be a great play this week, honestly, uh, especially you know for someone who's looking for for a shot in the dark. And uh, obviously, Gary Barnage owners are a little scared. I own a lot of shares of him, but I think it's going to be a really big. bounce back with uh mccown under center and obviously with the other game uh sam bradford probably is going to be the starter i don't think adrian Peterson is going to bounce back this week after what he did last week i think it was 21 carries or 39 yards or something like that i just don't see it changing i think they're going to focus the packers that is in the box on trying to stop him while bradford still learning this offense and even if he does he's not that much of a threat i would say when you look at you know someone like teddy bridgewater who's really good downfield so I obviously want to get your take on on all four of those teams and their matchups as well.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned Joe Flacco. That that running game in general, actually, I, I don't have a strong take on it. I I just know that I'm avoiding it until I have a little <laughs> bit more clarity. Um, but Flacco, the guy in the in that offense I'm looking at is Mike Wallace uh, mm-hmm. paired with Joe Flacco. I I think that Wallace has finally found a guy that he hasn't had in the past couple of years to be able to throw that deep ball and he's still really underpriced in, in DFS. Uh, I like the Josh McCown call quite a bit. Obviously, Gary Barnage last year was turning into Gary Barnkowski with yeah. uh, with McCown playing, so I, I think he's a strong player. They obviously have some some really nice rapport. And then what was the other game you were talking about?
0: Uh, that would be the uh, Packers and Vikings.
1: Okay, yeah, the, the Vikings, I think... You know that defense is underrated. I think that team could win some games this year, and it was a it was a pretty tough loss losing Teddy. But I think AP will bounce back. But I, I'm with you that I, I'm not paying the price for him right now. The the guy that I'm going after, at least in that offense, is Stephon Diggs. I think he's an elite route runner in this league, and I think he's going to continue to improve and. I know Matt Harmon loves him. I tend to defer on running or wide receiver analysis to him more often than not. So Stefan Diggs is the guy there that I'm targeting. And then uh, in a pack, for the Packers, it, I think Cobb was a pretty good last game, but he had kind of a tough matchup against Ramsey, one of those a rookie, uh, the top rookie cornerback coming into the league this year. So I think he'll bounce back this week. And um, I'm looking at Cobb, and I'm looking a little bit at Jordy Nelson as well.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the wide
1: receivers fare this week. I
2: think, you know, Minnesota last year, the Packers played them twice, and being a Packers fan, I've kept a close eye on them. I think that the defense is absolutely legit. I think in. You know, four or five weeks we'll be talking about them as one of the top two or three defenses in the league. I think they are severely underrated, and it would just give me a little bit of a, a pause. I think the Packers will uh, probably scrape out a win in this, but it's going to be a lot more low scoring, I think, than some people expect it to be. So I would just be kind of fading a little bit of the you know the Packers this week, and maybe that's just a bit of a fear in me being a Packers fan as well. Minnesota, you know, you mentioned digs there, and I uh, actually one of my Keenan Allen dynasty shares. I have so many of them that I thought just to you know. Can kind of evaluate things that I would look about trading some of them away? And I actually got Stefan Diggs, Jameson Crowder, a 2017 second and a 2018 second for Keenan Allen. And, you know, I, I kind of got a lot of mixed uh, comments on Twitter over it, but it was something that just I have so many shares. But I think Diggs is one of those players, and we've seen him getting a lot of targets again this past week. I think he is somebody that could have a, a very nice uh, 2016, and his trajectory is definitely pointing upwards there. Uh, speaking of trajectories and somebody who we uh, you know we had been hyping up all off season, but he's he had a really really nice game last week and a lot of it against uh, Darrell Rivas and that is AJ Green of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, monster monster week one and I think with the way this offense is set up <laughs> I think it'll continue this week I think he's gonna be pretty much peppered with targets all season long Jeremy Hill getting in the end zone last week I was surprised and I don't know I'll let I'll, I'll refer to you on this I was very surprised that the lack of work that Giovanni Bernard got in week one. They go up against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and the Steelers look to just do whatever they wanted through the air pretty much uh, against the Redskins. Cincinnati I think, you know, their defensive backs are a lot better than what we'll see in Washington and you know, rather than just leaving your best cornerback on one side of the field and let Antonio Brown toast whoever he wants on on the on the right hand side of it. But this air game, D'Angelo Williams with a big, big game last week, I think they'll they'll try and clamp down on the run. How do you see Cincinnati at Pittsburgh going this week?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely A.J. Green is going to remain an elite play just for the volume he's going to get in that offense. I really don't have anything else, and he has the talent to beat pretty much anyone on the field, as we've seen. Uh, the Gio Johnny Bernard, Gio Bernard thing that you mentioned, uh, he was a guy that I was kind of down on going into the season just because of how poorly he fared in my methodology, and his numbers actually put him at fifth worst in my sample. And in theory, if, if Jeremy Hill missed some time, then Bernard could be a player that, could be that three down back but Bernard would have to get access to those extra rushing attempts as well on goal line touches and Bernard just doesn't score enough touchdowns for me I think his ability and talent level is great but his efficiency and his overall numbers gets kind of underwhelmed for me and Bernard has that attractive receiving floor but I just don't see a ton of upside and ceiling and that's kind of the players that I'm targeting and in those type of like committee situations I I, I think we need someone that's going to score more touchdowns
2: yeah, then uh, obviously we seen last week uh, D'Angelo Williams with that big game, Antonio Brown with a big game. Do you see? I, I still fully expect Antonio Brown to have another big game this week. I was impressed as well with Eli Rogers and what he could do. Obviously, he'll be on a lot of. Uh, waiver wires this week if people out there are looking to do some late movement later in, in the week at this point, but um, you know, with D'Angelo Williams, do you expect him to to continue to roll? Obviously, we've seen him last year in the the sample size when on Bell was out, and now we've got to see it again that he's he's been very, very, very productive. And I add those varies in well, and and when he's got that full workload.
1: Yeah, D'Angelo is a guy that I think can absolutely keep this pace up. He was essentially putting up levy on Bell numbers when Bell was out last year and he's shown that he's pretty game script independent and he definitely is getting the volume and in the volume in the most important area of the field kind of in contrast to Giovanni Bernard. So he's a guy that I'm leaned on heavily last week in DFS. Antonio Brown is gonna continue to absolutely shred every single week so he's not a guy I'm ever really worried about I'm playing him wherever I can I'm never going into a week without at least some exposure to Antonio Brown and I think D'Angelo Williams is going to be kind of the same thing for me this week
0: so going into a, another matchup um well actually I'm gonna go with two with uh, with you um what I'm curious about is uh, I'll talk about the first one first with um with Philadelphia they're going up against this week uh, the Bears on Monday Night Football, uh, the Bears have a, I guess you could say, a banged-up secondary, uh, where that's probably the weakest point on their, their defense. And as Carson Wentz said, you know, I'm, I'm giving him some credit, but it's only week one. He did pretty well last week, and, uh, you know, he, he put up some stats. He made some throws. Uh, you know, he looked poised in the pocket at times. And uh, I think that the Eagles are going to roll with him going forward. Um, but obviously, one of the big injuries that we have is Zach Ertz. He has a rib injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. I'm a fan of uh, Brent Salek and Trey Burton, actually, both uh, in this uh, in this game for the Eagles. The Eagles are known to run a lot of uh, 13-man sets but with uh, three tight ends. So uh, I hope I'm – I think it's 13 is what they call them. But, um, you yeah, know, I'm yep. a fan of both of them this weekend. And do you think Jordan Matthews' week one performances is, uh, you know, something that we should, you know, sort of temper expectations about going forward? And obviously on the flip side – Again, the Eagles are dealing with some secondary issues at cornerback. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey does he take does he take advantage of that? Uh, and then Jay Culler is Jay Cutler. Um And then the other game with um, with Tennessee, they are facing uh, the Lions this week. Uh, Matt Stafford did really really well in Week One against Indianapolis. Uh, looks like Marvin Jones, you know, Golden Tate did well uh, too. Um, Want to see your take on that? And obviously Tajay Sharp on the other side. Um, you know, he he seems to be that number one guy for them for the Titans, and then also the Demarco Murray. You know, he had a good week one as well. Is this a, is this something that we're going to expect more of, or will Derrick Henry start seeping into more of his touches as well?
1: Sure, yeah, I can touch on Chicago very quickly. I'm, I'm playing all the Ashon Jeffrey I can, and I'm <laughs> playing none of the Jeremy Langford. But as far as I'm targeting both Matthews, actually, in this game. I really like Ryan Matthews. They've said they're going to try and get him a little bit more involved. He's been, he's been pretty good uh, all off season and was good last week. I think he had a touchdown as well. Uh, yeah. He was one of my highest-rated players in my methodology. He is one of the guys that I have a ton of exposure to in season-long leagues and MFL 10. So I think Matthews is in a good spot in, in this game. And then, as far as the the Detroit game, I'm I'm back on Stafford and Marvin Jones. Definitely a guy that I played quite a bit last year because or last uh, week because of his price. But I think he's the the main guy in that game that I'm after. I'm going to have a good amount of exposure time again. Yeah, and with uh,
2: Ryan Matthews as well, it's never been talent. has been issue. It's always been uh, trying to stay on the field. Uh, Last game is the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. We are recording this Thursday evening. Uh, Not long to go to that matchup. So there's probably not a huge amount of point in us previewing it in much depth. So uh, I'm pretty much sitting all my Jets. I'm even sitting Eric Decker, who I rarely, rarely do. And the only uh, bill that I'm starting is uh, LaShawn McCoy, and that's because I'm in a pinch at running back. In case anyone listens to this before that game, uh, anyone in particular that you're uh, starting this week, or are you pretty much sitting most of your Thursday night guys, Joe?
1: uh dfs wise it's going to be a complete fade for me i guess don't really like anyone in this game but uh season long i am forced to play a little bit of marshall and decker but i'm not super excited about it
2: yeah i'm sitting in the same boat as you there obviously joe i mentioned uh the russian expectation we talked about it quite a bit there and hopefully the listeners enjoyed hearing about it you can uh, get all of joe's stuff on his twitter handle it is at joe holka that is h-o-l-k-a Doing DFS work with uh, four for four, and of course Fantasy Labs, and you know we had on uh, TJ Hernandez a few weeks ago. You're uh, linking up with him at Roster Coach as well.
1: Yeah, Roster Coach has been a pretty awesome uh, project that TJ has been working on for a long time. I think it it's a educational video yeah. type uh, subscription that's just going to help people learn how to play DFS. And and the best way I can describe it is someone's going to be basically sitting over my shoulders seeing what kind of research i'm doing uh before dfs weeks and what kind of stuff that that the pros like guys like tj Hernandez, is like what are they doing to prepare for a week and you're going to learn how to kind of develop your own process something that's repeatable and then if you're looking for more of like one-on-one experience we we are offering these one-on-one coaching sessions as well so we can pretty much talk whatever you want we can talk plays for the upcoming week we can talk roster construction we can talk bankroll management pretty much any type of question you can have and we're just going to try and guide you to be a better dfs player and it's it's going to be great for people that are just getting into dfs but it's also going to be have a lot of value for for people that are pretty heavily involved already
2: yeah, it's really interesting, and uh, you know, I know TJ does uh, fantastic work, and uh, it's going to be very, very successful, no doubt about it. Uh, over the last week, uh, last week was the first week we got to see how the injury report was going to shake out, and this week it's not going to be a lot of fun trying to shake through all the differences uh, in the injury report compared to last year. The injury report is never really fun in general, but uh, you know as well if you want to follow Doug on Twitter, it's at the More I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and. Uh, Doug, the next show I think I'll be recording. I'll be recording from Florida because next Tuesday I'm heading off and uh, heading on my way to Disney World, so that should be fun. But uh, until we're back next week, stay tuned to that Overtime Ireland Twitter feed because I have no idea what day next week the show is going to come out. So until uh, we're back with another show, whenever that may be, enjoy week two. And, of course, have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland check out overtimeireland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.